What's up, guys? I have to start by saying I apologize again. I know that I've been less than consistent with these videos over the last few months. I think the last one I posted was about a month ago, actually, and probably wouldn't have recorded this one had I not gotten a phone call a few days ago from a, a, a longtime friend who I haven't spoken with in a long time. Had no idea that he even watched these or knew that they existed, but... Um, yeah, he called me and just said, hey, when's your next video coming out? You know, I've been waiting for it, and and uh, and you haven't put anything out for a while. So I was convicted, and I appreciate that. So thanks for thanks for that call, and, and thanks for the encouragement. Because on one hand, no excuses here, but I guess technically this is an excuse. What, my wife and I were trying to finish building a house, our house, and we're sort of down to the finish line here, and... And if you've ever done that before, you know how crazy it is, especially when you're the general contractor. And so it's just been really busy. I've been spending a lot of my extra time outside of my normal work, trying to get my house finished so we can move, so we can have a normal life again, at least to some degree. And so I think that's primarily the reason I haven't done these. And I would say secondarily, it's because, man, I just, Sometimes I just don't really know what to talk about because I know that there's lots of YouTube channels, lots of podcasts where people just talk about politics all the time. And frankly, it gets exhausting to me. I wish I didn't have to talk about politics. I wish none of us had to talk about it. But the reality is, I think, especially in the day and age that we live, it seems to be front and center. I mean, I think there's more people talking about the political landscape and the policies that are being encouraged and adopted and pushed People are paying more attention to that than they do sports, you know, and I, I can't remember a time in my life where that's been the case. But I think for obvious reasons, and I think in, in some ways good reasons, the political landscape is taking front stage. And I know for me, uh, there's this hesitation to just keep talking about that, because honestly, I feel like at the end of the day, you're just saying the same thing over and over and over again, because so often, at least in my mind, the narrative and the policy decisions that, that we're pushing for culturally just don't make a lot of sense. And we keep getting worse results and we keep doubling down to do the same thing. And we're surprised as a whole, I guess, when, when what we're trying to do, we don't get, or what we're trying to get, we don't get. And so anyway, I get a little bit exhausted about talking about that. And so I, I think between my house and just not really wanting to spend a whole lot of time continuing to talk about politics. Uh, I haven't done a video. So anyway, that's that. But I'm here. I'm back. I'm going to do this video today, and then I will do my very best to be consistent from here on out. I am putting in a little studio at the new house, so that will make my life much easier as it comes to producing videos. I'll have a little bit more time flexibility when I can just step away and, and get that done, and I'm excited about that. Hopefully, we'll be moving excuse me, in about a month from right now. So I got to get through the next month. But anyway, so today what I want to talk about is not really politics, but, you know, I've, I've spoken a little bit in the last several videos about my work, about real estate, commercial real estate, apartments. And the reason I do it, you know, when I got into real estate, I just never had any idea how much of our life revolves around real estate. You know, you think of a house, and before I got into commercial real estate, I never even thought or, or recognized, thought about or recognized commercial buildings. You know, it's like out of sight, out of mind, don't even think about it. Then I get into commercial real estate, and I realize 
man, everything in community, aside from the people, revolves around real estate, right? I think of community as people and places. And when they come together, you get community. I think you can have some level of community without the place. Uh, but as we've seen through Zoom calls these last 12 months or so, it's just not the same. And, and so I look at community and I say, you have people and you have places. And when you think about commercial real estate, when you think about apartments, when you think about sort of large scale real estate, and then you think about the land use planning process, the, the process that jurisdictions go through to figure out what land is gonna be used for what purposes to encourage the kind of community that we think our constituents are looking for. When you think about that and when you participate in that process, what you realize is everything revolves around real estate. And when the, when the government or when jurisdictions sort of put their, their hands around the throat, if you will, of the real estate industry, the community suffers. And so often the, the suffering is blamed on the people that are trying to produce the real estate as opposed to the people who are hindering the production of the real estate. And in my community, I see that, I mean, honestly, we probably see that in this area to a larger degree than most places in the world. Uh, well, maybe not the world, but in America, right? I think New York City is probably pretty bad. I think Seattle is bad. I think Los Angeles, San Francisco. Uh, I mean, these areas that tend to lean a particular direction in their political viewpoints. And if you look at all those areas, they all have the highest housing costs. And it's just always mind boggling to me because these folks think that, hey, if we just do more extremes of what those folks are proposing and already doing, things will get better. And it just is mind boggling to me. But that's not the point here. The point is in my area, and I think the reason I share all that is to share this with you, that you might turn this video on, you might hear what I've said so far, and you might be tempted to just check out because maybe you don't care about real estate. But listen, I say all that because I hope that you'll stick around and listen because real estate, it's like a, a microcosm of everything that we're dealing with, everything that we're talking about and why in my mind we're finding ourselves in the place that we're finding ourselves in because it all sort of works the same way as the example I'm about to give you. And the example is this, we have a waterfront, a lot of waterfront where I live, right? We, we sit on the Puget Sound. We have five peninsulas in our area. There's even more if you sort of go out into the surrounding areas. But in our area, right, we have several peninsulas. They all obviously touch the water. Well, downtown Olympia, Washington, it could be one of the most beautiful, uh, attractive, exciting downtowns, honestly, in all of the country because it has beautiful mountains. It has beautiful scenery, greenery. It has the water. It's quaint. At least it used to be, right? It's got all this stuff going for it. And yet it languishes and it struggles. So on the west side of the peninsula that touches downtown Olympia, there is this strip of land that has been vacant for a long time. There was a building that burnt down in this area, I believe in the 1990s, used to be a lumber company as I understand it. So recently we have uh, a developer who wants to build a whole bunch of housing right? Uh, primarily, as I understand, these would be apartments, but then on the ground floor of several of the buildings, we would have retail and they even, uh, they even offered to the city and negotiated, as I understand it, with the city, uh, a bunch of community space, right? Like 
grasses and fountains and walkways and maybe there's a little park. I mean, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a community attraction. It's supposed to be this thing that, that brings people to this beautiful place so they can shop and eat and play with their kids and enjoy the water and have fun. And it's something that we just don't have here. And, and, and it's like, you look at that and you go, who wouldn't want that, right? They did something similar up north in Tacoma. It's called Point Ruston. And I've been there a few times and I think it's unbelievable. And in Point Ruston, the, as I understand it, it used to be a, a brownfield. It used to be a contaminated site that the developer then, and maybe they, in, in Tacoma, I'm not exactly sure, uh, but, but maybe they partnered with the city or maybe they did it themselves. I'm not sure, but they cleaned up the contamination and then they built this awesome place, right? Community, place, people. They built this awesome place where there's all this stuff happening now and people are doing community together. They're creating community together in part because of the place that was created by the developer who cleaned up a dirty site, which is, that's what the environment, our environmental people want. They cleaned up the site. Um, they restored habitat, right? They did all these things to create this place so that we could have community or they could in Tacoma and it worked. And now these folks want to come down. It's a different group, but, but a similar vision, as I understand that they want to do here where I live in Olympia beautiful place. I mean, to me, it's like, duh, the biggest no-brainer of a decision in the history of all no-brainer of decisions. We have a site that's contaminated. We have a site that the habitat has been disturbed. We have a site that's been an eyesore for, I don't know, 20 years. We have a site that um, has all the X factors you could ever want, and it's just sitting there derelict. And this person, this group wants to come in and spend, I don't know, I'm just guessing $200 million dollars. They want to spend $200 million and they want to turn this thing from a liability for the community and for, for the people who own it currently. I mean, a liability. It's doing more damage than it is good. And they want to turn it into something amazing that, that the whole community can take a part in. And, and guess what? They're even going to let the community use part of that property that they are paying for with their own money. And now... And I think in the defense of the city council of Olympia, I think that they've been pretty positive about this. And I'm so happy about that. And yet, guess what? There's the neighbors. The neighbors say, not in my backyard. And it's the same neighbors. If I had to guess, if I could meet them, I would guess many of them are, are affordable housing champions and they're green energy champions because that's the kind of area we live in. Right? They're, they're going to pound their fists on the table for energy efficiency, and they're going to pound their fists on the table for, for green this and green that, and affordable housing this and affordable housing that. But when it comes to somebody that wants to bring into the market, I think it's somewhere around 400 units of housing. They say, well, not in my backyard. And then here's the excuse. Well, they're too expensive. It's not affordable. And it's like, ah, it's so short-sighted. It's so short-sighted. Then you go and you look at the comments in some of the, the articles, the news articles that have been posted online, and it's, you know, greedy developers, stop giving them tax breaks, stop giving them incentives, stop letting them get rich. I mean, it's all the same garbage, frankly, garbage that we have to listen to every day because of a lack of general financial understanding, period. It's just a lack, like, listen, you spend $200 million building something, if sales tax just for easy math is 10%, that's 20 million bucks. That's $20 million of tax revenue that your jurisdiction or your area or all the areas that you get the stuff from wouldn't get if you didn't build said thing. 
And that's just on the 200 million of the purchase to build. How about, how about if you do the economic multiplier of all the transactions down the line just to get to the 200 million? I mean, I'm not an EDC economic development person, but I understand how it works to a degree. Let's just say we put a five times multiplier on it. That's a billion dollars. That's a hundred million dollars in tax revenue from this investment in your community. And you're sitting here talking about, let's stop giving the, the developer incentives. Uh, most likely, I would say 99% of people who take that approach have never built anything in their whole life. And it's short-sighted and we're allowing these short-sighted opinions, these little sound bites that, that they sound good, but when you tear them apart and you peel back the onion, they don't, they don't pass the sniff test. There's no substance or understanding or wisdom or discernment to those kinds of comments. Because what, if, they, if they really knew what they would know is that $200 million multiplied, let's say five times and, and whatever, maybe it's three, maybe it's 10, I don't know, but, but it's at least three. Maybe you get $100 million in tax revenue out of thin air. How many jobs is that? How many people can put their food on their table for their families for, I don't know, the next four years or five years of construction? Those are all supposed to be good things. And then on top of that, you get this beautiful park. You get no more contamination in the water in the Puget Sound. So the fish are healthier, I would, I would assume. I mean, what the heck is going on here? And we allow that perspective to derail everything that we say we want. And yeah, maybe you think that these housing units are too expensive. Then buy it yourself. I'm, I'm just so tired of all these people who come out and they have all these qualms about everything, but they don't have the guts to do it themselves. And they would say, oh, I don't have enough money. Well, maybe they didn't either. Maybe they went and raised it. Maybe they could tell a story and create a narrative and a vision that people could get so behind that they're willing to part with their hard-earned money to invest in it. Right? Why don't you go do that? If you want it to be a park and you don't want it to block the views and you don't want all this other stuff, all this great economic activity to take place, then buy it. Buy it. Everything's for sale for a price. And if you're an elected official, I just think we need to stop letting those people who are doing that thing, trying to derail everything that they don't like on property they don't own, it's got to stop. Like, listen, I understand. I know I'm getting pretty passionate here, so I apologize if I come across like I'm yelling at somebody. I, I'm really not trying to, but I understand that there has to be dialogue. And actually, contrary to popular belief, most developers that I know, they actually like going to the public meetings and talking to the neighbors. They actually like explaining the vision. They actually like getting people's suggestions and hearing their opinions about things that maybe they could add or, or take away that they wouldn't have thought about. They actually like that. They appreciate it. Why? Because as I've said before, they're in the market to provide a product and a service that people actually want. And who better to tell them what people actually want than the people that live there, right? And, and, and so they're, they're receptive to that kind of stuff. What they're not receptive to and shouldn't be receptive to is people just screaming at them because they don't like it, right? Like all these people saying, oh, the traffic, it's going to make the traffic so bad. Do you have any idea? Any idea how much money is paid in traffic impact fees when anybody wants to develop 400 units of housing? I mean, just assume it's like $4,000 a unit. I don't know what it is right at the moment, but what's that, a million six? I mean, you can do a lot of sidewalks. You can do a lot of road widening. You can do a lot of things with a million six 
every time somebody builds something, okay? What we should be doing instead of getting mad at the developer is maybe asking the city, hey, could you maybe give us an accounting of how you're spending all the traffic impact fees that are being paid when we develop new assets to ensure that our roads are meeting the traffic requirements? Because I can tell you, as somebody who's been involved in lots of projects that have paid lots of impact fees, traffic impact fees, school impact fees, park impact fees, you name it, all the impact fees, that at least as I've seen it, there's not a lot of great accounting that they share that they explain, hey, here's why we need your million six. It's like it just goes into a black hole somewhere and who knows what comes out the other end. How about we hold the government accountable for some of their decisions? See, we continue in these conversations in this country to hold the private people accountable, and yet the public people are never held accountable, ever. They never go to jail. They never get sued. They never, I mean, I, I shouldn't say never, very rarely, right? And, and I think that's the problem. At least that's part of the problem. It's a big part of the problem. We, we have somebody that wants to risk their hard-earned money and probably lots of their investor friends to make our community better and we just keep kicking them in the you know what. Guys, it's like I tell when I when I deal with folks that are elected officials or their staff at these jurisdictions, one of the things I like to say and encourage is investors, right? Jurisdictions and municipalities com compete for investors' dollars. Why are the tech companies leaving California? Because they think that they're doing a good thing for their communities. And then their communities get to this point where they don't think so anymore. And they just keep kicking them in the teeth and punching them in the face. And finally they say, you know what? We're out, we're gonna move, we're gonna go somewhere else. And it's because municipalities, jurisdictions, locations compete with other locations for investment dollars. Those investment dollars along with it come jobs, come prosperity, come wealth creation, come all those different things. And I just continue to see over and over and over again, especially in my particular area. Maybe you see it in your area. I see these jurisdictions keep allowing either themselves or the people, the constituents in their area to pound on these people for so long that they just say, you know, I'm gonna take my ball and I'm gonna go find another court. And, and who is the ultimate, who are the ultimate people who suffer? The community, right? And, and you're gonna have some subset of the community that say, no, but that's what we wanted. We got them out of here. Now we can look at this ugly piece of property that looks like complete crap for the, another 25 years. But most people in our area are like, geez, that sucks. How did we let those really loud, obnoxious people kibosh something that we were all so excited about? And that's what happens in, it seems, every side of the political sphere, every nook and cranny of it, right? And I think it's unfortunate. We have got to change that. And you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. How the heck do we change that? You know, there's this part of me that thinks, well, it's grassroots efforts and it's, you know, it's, it's getting all these people together and it's creating momentum and, and creating mailing lists and all this stuff. And, and, and I'm sure that's part of it. It's definitely part of it. But you know what? You know what I think a bigger part of it is, at least initially, is better leadership. You know, you got to have people who are willing to stand up in the city council and look at their constituents when the constituents are throwing fits and just say, hey, I hear what you're saying. Why don't you guys get together and buy it? You know, our job as the government isn't to get in the way of allowing somebody to do something that the zoning says that they can do. Our job is not to become a hindrance and a barrier to entry when the, the law, the code, 
says that they can do what they want to do. That's not our job. Now, if you want to advocate and go through the legislative process to change the code and change the law, we can do that. But on this project that they've applied for, that meets all the criteria, we're not going to be a barrier. And if you don't like it, ask them if they'll sell it to you. And if they won't, you just got to deal with it. I mean, we need leadership. We need people who will do that. And they won't. At least they won't yet. At least most of them won't. And they won't because if they do, then those people will come to their house and they'll pick it and they'll throw things through their windows and they do all kinds of crazy things. And then, oh, and then in this city, we don't even let the cops, you know, do their job when that happens. We just think it's, you know, the course of, of doing business. And I think those things have to change and they all come back to you have to have leaders who are willing to put their, you know what, on the line and take a stance and stick their flag in the ground and say, you know what, this country is a country of laws. This country is a country that believes that God gave us all certain inalienable rights. We are not a pure democracy, folks. I'm so sick of like every news channel, democracy this, democracy that. You never hear the word republic. We're a, we're a republic. We're a, we're a country that is founded on law. Law based on the rights that you have. And if 51% of the people, like let's say you own a property and let's say the property has with it rights and you have the ability to do certain things on your property within the law, that's the code, and then your neighbors, 51% of them come together and they say, no, we do not want that and we don't want you to do it. Guess what? The way it's supposed to work is the law that gives you the rights prevails against the angry, crazy, loud, obnoxious, annoying mob. That's how it's supposed to work, but it doesn't. Instead, here's how it works. Here's how it works in my area. The mob gets together. They throw an absolute fit. They get all their friends. They all go down to the city council meetings. They appeal the decision. The favorable decision that says you can do the thing you want. They appeal it, and guess what? Now it's months. Months and months and months of going through this stupid process because the angry mob of neighbors is freaking out, even though you're doing everything within the bounds of the law. You've spent hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars by now, but now you get to do a four-month, six-month, 12-month, 18-month appeal process. Then you get, a, get to go all the way to the hearings examiner, and which is basically a judge who just says, yeah, I've heard everything and I agree or I don't agree. And then who knows how they're going to decide. And meanwhile, now you've spent extra hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars litigating, all because the angry mob was allowed to try and take away the rights that you were granted, one by God, two by law. That Folks, that's why we have, that's why we're a republic, right? We democratically elect people inside of a republic. The, but the thing is, the republic is the most important part. The democracy is certainly important. It's important for us to have people that represent our interests elected to represent our interests. But as we've seen nationally, as we've seen in states and cities and counties, when we start to just go up and above the law, the whole thing breaks. You want to know why we don't have unity? You want to know why all these things are so screwed up? Well, a lot of it's because we don't actually obey, obey or adhere to our own laws, nor do we enforce them. Ultra-rich people can do whatever they want. They get no, there's no problems, no troubles, no, no repercussions. Same with politicians. And then super poor people who are homeless can do anything they want. Like I've said it before, if I want to put a deck in my backyard and I live on where there's pocket gophers here, which are an endangered species, it takes me like forever to even get approved to build my deck, and I might not even get the approval to build my deck. But if I'm homeless, oh, you know, I can 
dump my trash in the water, in the river, in the stream, in the ocean. I can, you know, leave my dirty needles. I, I can do whatever the hell I want and there's no repercussions. And if, the, and if I say that there needs to be a repercussion as a citizen, I'm a heartless bastard. I mean, it's insanity. It's insanity. And, I, and, and who, the whole point of all this is who suffers? You do. I do. We do. The community suffers. We don't have community. Instead, we have tribes, and the tribes hate each other, and the tribes fight with each other. And mostly, it's because of envy and jealousy in these instances, right? They don't like it because the developer is going to get rich, or they think he's going to get rich, or she's going to get rich. They, they don't like it because of this. They don't like it because of that. And it's like, listen, it's their property. <laughs> they're, they're doing what the law says they can do. Get out of their way. If you have a concern, if you have a question, go talk to them like a normal person. It doesn't mean you're going to get exactly what you want. Like, we got to stop being childish, throwing temper tantrums every time we don't get exactly what we want. And that's a culture we've created in this country. And how do we change the culture with good leadership? We change it with you and with me, doing things like this, sharing our thoughts and our opinions. It doesn't mean that we're always right. There's things... I might have said here that you disagree with. I'd love to have a dialogue about them. Because I think that at the end of the day, like we're living in a society. This is mind boggling to me. It's like I'm literally living in the book 1984. We live in a society where they don't even want to talk about ideas. They want to squash ideas. They want ideas to go away. I say this all the time. Every time the government regulates something, well, most times. I, won't, I, I, always, I don't want to keep doing the every time or always or everybody. Okay, most times that the government regulates things, it's because they think you and I are too dumb to make logical, educated, rational decisions for ourselves. That's a fact. They regulate it because they think we're too stupid and they need to make those decisions for us. Talk about the definition of elite. Here's the thing. They want to squash the ideas. They want the ideas to go away. What I want is I want all the ideas on the table and I want the ideas debated and I want the ideas uh, vetted and I want the ideas argued about so that I, as a logical, rational, intelligent person and you the same, can hear all the ideas and say that one makes the most sense or a combination of those make the most sense. An educated populace, an educated person is a much more powerful person, is a much more valuable person, is a much more impactful person than somebody who's been spoon-fed the truth or a lie. Somebody who can come to a conclusion, a logical, rational conclusion, based on all the available information, is always more powerful and successful than somebody who has their head in the sand or somebody who's been indoctrinated. And we live in a culture right now that just wants to keep a indoctrinating people, because when you indoctrinate people, if you're in charge, you can have anything you want. And geez, whether you agree with anything I've said here or not, what you should agree with is my, my ability to share my opinion. I certainly agree with your ability to share your opinion. And you know what? The best opinions will win in the end. They always do. Even right now, like the craziness that we're seeing, the craziness that we saw in the 1920s and 30s and the early 40s, the good ideas won. And now we have a bunch of people standing around freaking out saying those aren't good ideas anymore. <laughs> like history, Mark Twain, I think, said, it doesn't repeat itself, but it sure, it sure rhymes. Hey, we're just going back and we're going to try some of the things that didn't work in the past, like 
for whatever reason people do, and and we'll probably get the same results. We're already getting them. Most of these cities that we live in, they look like third world countries in certain areas. It's crazy. They didn't used to. And, and you know, we can argue about why that is. But you know what? In the end, when we hit rock bottom, when it gets bad enough and people are finally willing to make a decision and do something else and change their, their worldview and change their tactics, we'll probably start getting different results. And it doesn't mean that capitalism is perfect. It, it doesn't. There's things that we can do better. There's things that we can improve on. But it's certainly been a more successful experience. It's certainly brought more people out of poverty around the world than any other system known to man. And it's really pretty dang simple. It's because, like, if you work as an electrician, and I just say, hey, man, like, I know you're the best electrician in the, in the whole company, but I'm just going to pay you $3 an hour less than that other guy over there. He's not that good, but he's been here 10 years longer than you. And you're like, huh? So I do better work. I do more work. I'm more productive. I make you as a business more money. And you're going to pay me less than that person because that person's been here longer? Well, that's like socialism. It doesn't work. Because what does it do for that, that person who's productive? It takes all the incentive away. Instead, capitalism rewards that person. It says you as an individual, you are valuable. And the more valuable you are to society, the more you're rewarded. Now, here's the thing. Here's where I think capitalism, socialism, communism, whatever they are, where they fail. Because the human heart is evil. And I know a lot of people don't believe that. My Bible says the human heart is evil. Man is born with a sin nature. And if you can't look around the world and see that that's the truth, I, I'm just going to pray that your eyes are open. Because look throughout human history. At the end of the day, people are evil to each other. And so capitalism a system that rewards people for productivity, for creating value in society. It helps people flourish. But there are always those who, for one reason or another, just can't create that kind of value for society. And pure capitalism, the evil in a man's heart, the greed in a man's heart, the selfishness in a man or woman in their heart, will take advantage of those people, will forget those people, and that's why the message of the gospel and the message of Jesus is so powerful. There are those who think that Jesus was a socialist, and they could not be further from the truth. I think what Jesus would say to us who, who appreciate, who advocate for capitalism, that he would say this. Listen, yes, I think men, just like the, the, the various parables Jesus gave, where, where men were rewarded based on the gifts that they had been given and, to, and the extent to which they used those gifts, just like that, he would say, keep doing that. That's the capitalistic system. I'm not saying Jesus was necessarily would be advocating for capitalism because he's a king, right? But he, this idea that you have been given gifts by God, use them, not for your glory, for his glory. And then he would say, and don't forget the poor. And then he would say, for those who can't add to the kind of value to society that that system creates or that that system requires, don't forget them. Take care of them. Encourage them. Uplift them. Educate them. Right? Now listen, that requires a changing of the heart. I've always said you can't legislate. It's impossible to legislate matters of the heart. And folks, if we can't see that in America, given what we're going through right now, we are blind. We are spiritually blind and probably physically blind because we've been trying to legislate matters of the heart for 60 years, 70 years, 
80 years, 100 years, 250 years. It's not working very well. What we need to do is we need to change a heart. We don't need to change the whole system. The system works pretty well. We got we to gotta make some tweaks. We got to improve it. What we have to change across the board is our hearts. You have to. Because it's not working. It's not going to work. It's like when I say jurisdictions keep doubling down on what's not working. Well, we can't do the same thing as individuals, as humans. And, and what that looks like, at least in my mind, is we, if we continue to try and legislate morality in matters of the heart, we will fail. We are failing. Because it, it's an actual change of heart. If your heart actually changes, then the legislation, in some ways, doesn't even need to be there. But in other ways, the legislation will be adhered to because our hearts are changed. We want to have less poor people? Guess what? Here's the solution. Have more generous people. You want to have, and here's the thing. Here's why. Because just giving poor people money, as we've seen through the various social experiments in America, it doesn't work. It's not sustainable. It's giving a man a fish instead of teaching him how to fish. If we have more generous people, and I'm not ta just talking about money, I'm talking about generous with their knowledge, their experience, their wisdom, mentoring people. Yes, being generous money monetarily as well, right? But generosity, right? The, the, the lack of desire or need to hold on to things really tight and to hoard things. The more we can be generous, the more we will actually help to change our society. That, that's a heart change, folks. That's why God says, even in the New Testament, just keep giving, right? People argue over what's the tithe and is it the tithe and this and that. And it's like, listen, you're, we're missing the point here. The point is God is saying, be generous. Don't get so attached. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth because they get destroyed. Moth, rust, you know, salt water. It destroys them. They can be stolen. He says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven because they can't be taken away. The whole point is, don't get so attached to the stuff here that you lose perspective of the reason that you're here in the first place. You're, you're just passing through, right? You're just passing through. And, and listen, if you like, look around the world today, and I'm saying, geez, if I didn't have hope in an eternal future, I'd be miserable because it doesn't look very good. It's very dark, 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 dark. And yet I, I look around, and I really, this hit me the other day, and I thought, you go into a really dark room, pitch black. You light a lighter, you know, a little flame, like half an inch tall. In the room, it doesn't light up completely, but man, the darkness can't win. You can see, right? And the bigger the light, the more the darkness goes. And I, I look around today and I say, everyone says, where's the hope? How do we get through this? What do we do? And I've just come to this place, and I've said this before, like I'm not here to convince people. I'm here to share my thoughts in, in hopes of compelling someone to think differently or, or at least to consider, right? But, but I also want, and I, I'm not perfect for sure, right? But I, I'm trying to have the trajectory of my life go in a way where I do shine in dark places. And I hope that you will partner with me in, that, in, that, in, in, in a way that says, I can't change everything. Man, the, the, world, the problems in this world are huge. And part of the problem I think we have in the social media era is we think we have to impact 10 million people to be impactful. And I think what God would tell us is, no, you got to impact the person next to you. That's much more powerful, much more valuable, much more sustainable. 
like we've tried the, 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 the hero on the stage approach in our churches, in our self-development programs. It doesn't work. It's not sustainable. Because you know what actually helps people change? I mean, yeah, that's a catalyst to change. But what helps people change in perpetuity is community, camaraderie, somebody alongside them locally, close to them, continuing to challenge and motivate, continuing to talk through things. We need more of that. So my point in all that, what does that require? It requires me and you and our local spheres of influence to just shine like lights. Because like, if we think we have to get rid of the darkness in some other way, it's overwhelming. It's, it's not even possible. It's undoable. It's impossible. But if you just go out every day, this is my thing. This is my motto. This is what I've come to, to believe. And this is what I'm going to continue to try and do is just be a light. Be a light where there's darkness because darkness can't win. That's why I said the good ideas win in the end. And it's true because at the end of the day, light always beats darkness. Always. And that's the hope that we have. The ultimate light, the ultimate hope, the ultimate good news gospel is that Jesus died. He came here. He was a real person. He died. He rose again. And that if we put our faith in him, we can have eternal life. Because, listen, I don't, I, you look around the world, and it doesn't matter if you lived today or 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 2,000 years ago. People were killing each other. People were taking advantage of each other. People were being evil to each other. There has never been a, a time in human history, aside from maybe Adam and Eve in the very beginning, that people weren't evil to each other. <laughs> We're not going to escape that here and now. There's only one place. There's only one thing. Only one time we escape that. That's eternity. And, and, and so to me, that's a great hope that we have. That when we look around the world, it doesn't mean we become complacent or we don't care or we don't give our input that we don't try and shine like a light. It just means that we don't put all of our hope in the here and the now. It means that it takes faith and trust to know that, hey, no matter what happens, I know where I'm going and I'm just passing through. And so anyway, I, I know I talked about politics and, and real estate again, and, and maybe those are some things that you're not inherently interested in, but, but I hope what you'll find is inside of, of all of that, it, it's a picture, I think, of so many other things that are happening in our lives today and how even something is maybe mundane to you as, as real estate, right? It, it's, it's so much more than that. It's the real estate is where we build community. And when we over-regulate and we make it impossible or very difficult to, to, to develop real estate, which is the earth places, uh, we have less community. And so if you're an elected official watching this or you're a person on a city staff or a county or whatever. Um, I hope that you'll just take these things into consideration. I'd be happy to answer any questions. If, if any of you watching this have questions, you can uh, send me an email. You can send me a comment. You can send me a direct message, depending on where you're consuming all this, uh, because I'd love to talk about it. I think that we can make progress. I think we can work together. And, and I think that we can find a balance that create success, successful communities. So anyway, thanks for watching this video. If you liked it, if you found it helpful or encouraging, uh, I'd love it if you'd hit the thumbs up wherever you're watching it, or uh, if you're watching it, or excuse me, listening to it on a, on a podcast platform. Yeah, give me a, a five-star rating. That'd be cool. Uh, more of those would be helpful. And again, comments. I'd love to get comments. If there's things that you appreciate or 
or things that maybe challenge you or things maybe you don't agree with, uh, please share them with me. And if possible, do it as kind as you can. Uh, I think the more that we can try and be kind to each other, the more successful we'll be. So anyway, thanks, for, thanks again for watching, and I will see you soon. Talk to you then.